Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, with yours truly, I suppose. (laughs) At least I'm going to try to be truly, uh, but you may not see it in quite the same terms of endearment, endearing way. Maybe it's an enduring way. Dave Clay, (laughs) Dr. Michael David Clay. Uh, It may appear to you quite obvious. It's somewhat challenging (laughs) Uh, for me to know exactly how to start the podcasts. Uh, Might be challenging for you to endure (laughs) the uh, opening sort of monologue till we get at least into the scripture part of it. And maybe it could be endearing. (laughs) However, it may just be putting up with it. But it is not always easy. So uh, today's podcast is maybe a little bit more difficult than others, if simply because my brain might not be working as well as on other days. Uh, I feel like like monkey brains. Uh, Not necessarily that my brain is like that of a monkey, although I might have been accused of that. Monkey brains. I can't imagine... (laughs) Anything worse to eat than monkey brains? Uh, I've heard that said. (laughs) I suppose it's true. I don't know that I've ever looked it up. Uh, It's one of those statements that is so, at times, at least for me, the thought of it being at times so unbelievably possible that anyone would eat monkey brains that it's hard for me (laughs) to imagine anybody would have made that up. But I think I saw a Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, Indiana Jones movie. Maybe it was specifically Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that was one of the features of the film. They had all these kind of odd, unique cultural dimensions to the films. For those of you who enjoyed that series, the Indiana Jones series, you know what I'm talking about. But they're sitting down and they're having food, a delicacy, and I think it was somewhere in the Middle East, and it was monkey brains. Now, if you sat that before me and did not tell me what it was that I was eating, then I might end up eating it. But I'm sure, even though I might get it down, (laughs) maybe with no problem, I might even enjoy it. After the fact that you told me it was monkey brains... My guess is that I would then quickly become ill and have to find your bathroom, (laughs) the closest rest facility, bathroom facility, so that I might somehow give back (laughs) the monkey brains. Acts. Now, this is the segue, folks. (laughs) Go from that to the Bible. The book of Acts. Uh, And I'm going to read Acts chapter 10, or from Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 9. On the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have even eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him. 
as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, in which were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, (laughs) kill and eat. (laughs) A monkey, monkey brains? I don't know. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou uncommon, or thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter was perplexed what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men who were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. I'm not sure what was on that. <laughs> what I call it, a tablecloth. Uh, on that blanket that came down from heaven, sheet is how the uh, King James describes it, knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. I'm not sure what all was on there. It sounds like anything and everything could have been on that. And in that, then the instructions to Peter were pretty basic, I believe, and most of us would have likely have heard, if we've heard any sermons, would likely know if we've read the New Testament at all, and particularly this, or in particular this section, this, these verses, Acts chapter 10, we would, in <laughs> chapter 11, hear Peter's interpretation of the dream a bit again after the fact. And with that then say, oh, that was just about then Peter getting the message. That this thing of cleansing was not specific to just any particular food. <laughs> and the Hebrew people had a lot of food laws. These are the foods you should eat. These are the ones you shouldn't. I believe there was a definite adaptive aspect of that uh, in terms of the Mosaic Law or the, the instruction God had given about these are good foods and these are bad foods for you. Uh, I believe if you just did that or saw that, just did an analysis of that or saw that in material terms, you'd say, sure, that makes sense. But here we are, (laughs) monkeys, monkey brains and all, coming down on the sheet. And Peter, I mean, maybe he was like me. Maybe he just had certain food phobias. Maybe he didn't like certain textures. Maybe he, he didn't like the smell. Maybe he didn't like the sight. Maybe he didn't like the idea, these all being in context to human interpretation, but his biggest interpretation was, I'm hungry, 
but I can't eat any of those things. I have to eat these things, and there's a lot of those things on this sheet that's coming down. Now, Peter could have been, like a lot of kids, separating their food or... Well, this I'll eat, or picking through it. This I'll eat, that I won't eat. Anybody who's a parent has probably found themselves in a situation somewhat similar to that. Try it. You'll like it. And there used to be a commercial. Mikey, (laughs) he won't eat anything. Try it. You'll like it. And you can persuade possibly the child, your kid to eat it and hope that they would find it palpable and maybe even tasty. And uh, it is all about diversity. And maybe that's it too. Maybe it's about in that way, Peter, you can't be rigid. Peter, you can't be so much into this law, these law things even though they're adaptive and for your good, they're all about your flesh. But you can't get so much into these law things that you lose the point. And the point being, you have to be a bit flexible. And with that, then, if you measure God, maybe this is also part of what God was trying to tell Peter. If you measure God, you have to measure him in terms of not material dimension, (laughs) You know, I I think we have, all of us have some sense of, oh yes, I know what Jesus looked like. But even then, you get challenged on that a bit because there are always people who say, well, you know, this is really what he looked like. Uh, Every time there's a new series that comes out, The Chosen is the most recent one that I've seen, that depicts Jesus, there's all sorts of moves. I'm looking at them, that's not what Jesus looks like. That's not how Jesus acted. Because I have my idea, personification of what Jesus looked like and how he acted. And I feel quite confident in that. I suppose I have a bit of a personification when it comes to God. I think that that's what the Bible is about too. It certainly describes God's character. Nobody's ever seen God. <laughs> and Jesus would say, God is a spirit. They that worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. And so this idea that you really can't personify God, but anything and everything that is of personal personification in human regard or definition has the Holy Spirit <laughs> living within And in that way, they're more than just the outward expression. It is the personification is the attempt for us to try to begin to understand and comprehend. But then that's the failing, right? In human regards, you can't. Or you could say, well, God could be anything then. And the Bible does intimate that God is in all things, living things. And has created all things, whether animate or inanimate. And his spirit can go into anything he would want it to go into and bring life to it. God is not bound by matter or material dimension, which really is the only way we would know something in material definition is to look at the stuff of it and say, well, that's dirt, or that's wood, or that's hay, it's stubble. That's another human. That's, again, this culture, that culture. That's this denomination. That's that. That's this people. That's that people. 
And then in that run, that risk that somehow we begin by looking at the differences when I think God wants us to see the commonality. I don't know if all food is good to eat. I'm not even sure about the killing part. I think think that was also something that intrigued me. Verse 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, continuing 14, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, was Peter really being asked to eat all of those things on that sheet? Were the food laws bad? I don't think he was being asked to eat all those things on the sheet. I don't know that the food laws are bad. I'm not even sure it's okay to be a picky eater. I'm not even sure it's wrong that it's not okay to be a picky eater, that it's wrong to have preferences. I don't even think it's wrong to feel more comfortable with those that are more familiar to you. I just think what we need to realize is this is probably not only about food, although Peter was hungry. What it was about was Peter was being given a vision. Was it just a dream? As in... um, What is it? The Christmas Carol? (laughs) Probably just bad digestion, as Scrooge would have said, of something you had or I had the night before that's causing me to have this apparition, see these spirits. No, it was a vision from God. But God will get your attention in any manner or way that seems right and suited. And though this is a bit metaphorical, then allegorical, in that way that I'm kind of taking it at the moment, the direction that we're kind of going toward at this particular moment, I don't want to lose sight of the pragmatics either because I think those cultural things are important, but they're less important the more you begin to understand you can't put a face on God. You can't personify him. And if there is the best representation of God, it is Jesus. And God gave us Jesus in personified fashion just because we need in the flesh to relate to God in some manner. And we're going to do it in that carnal, more organic, natural sort of way. Oh, Adam, what is this? It's a rock. Adam, what is this? It's a cloud. Adam, what is this? This is water. Adam, what is this? It's a cow. Adam, what is this? This is a zebra. Adam, what is this? It's a monkey. Just don't cut its skull open and eat its brains. What is this? It's a pig. Don't eat (laughs) pigs. I'm not saying that you can't ever have pork. I'm just saying it's probably for the most part, generically a good idea to stay away from certain types of animals that eaten certain things or eat certain things or would have eaten certain things and probably have them stored in some aspect of the flesh that you're going to eat. But when Peter was told by the Lord to rise, Peter, kill and eat, I think what he was saying was... Or it is saying is that we're to not be bound by the flesh. We're to partake of even those things. Oh no! Those are bad things. And it's true 
There are some things, and the, the word is very clear on those. Don't eat certain things. Don't partake of certain things. It'll make you sick. But if we get so hung up on that, that we miss the greater point, that God can choose to cleanse whatever he chooses to cleanse in whatever manner, way, shape, or form. Or maybe, as she comes down, all things are sanctified and cleansed because it's not about the flesh. It is, but it isn't. All things, as the Apostle Paul might say, or did say, might at this moment, if you were here, say, all things are permissible, but not all things are expedient. Does that mean we should go preaching bad food habits? <laughs> or telling people to eat things that are going to make them sick? Or we know that's going to, don't smoke cigarettes, it's going to kill you. Not everybody dies, but more die than not, and it's not worth it. Don't drink a lot of alcohol because it's bad for your body and all the things that it does to your brain. And even while it's not really fully turned your brain to <laughs> monkey brains, a mush because it destroys brain cells and the cogeners that are the byproduct of the distilling process are poisonous to your body and it destroys your body, you're still going to get drunk. And then you're going to do a bunch of things that you'll regret the next day that are debauchery, that are not good, that are going to end up harming each other, one another, if all of us are doing such things. And if there is just a victim, you're going to be the perpetrator, the predator. You're going to hurt that individual with your drinking. Don't drink. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. I'm not moving off of that premise. The Old Testament law is the Old Testament law. It was given for a reason. It's not just contextual. It's not just circumstantial truth. It's not just, it is truth. But I think with that, what we begin to see here is that some of that was seasonal. Some of that too had to do with just becoming, I believe, more aware or at least more familiar with God so that we can leave some of the childish interpretations or personifications. We can, don't remove them, just see them within that context. You can't put a face on God. And God never intentioned that. And in the end, the, the resurrected body of God is a spirit. What makes me think that when I am one with Christ and then taken to be one with God in Christ Jesus, now as so part of the body of Christ, as so now one with only Christ, God, but each other in the Holy Spirit... Why do I think that the resurrected body is going to look like I look like? It will have manifestation, I am sure, if I would have any cause or reason to look at it. And I'm not sure if there's going to be a cause or reason once I escape my humanity to even consider it in human terms. It's not necessary. 
I only need to understand it now in human terms with the liability of my humanity, which basically means my human apparatus, my ability to take the data in and to conceive of it, conceptualize it, is limited to my experience. That's empiricism. But empiricism is, we said last podcast, your coffin. Because it's going to bind you or put you in a box. The best way out of the box, though, is to begin to realize this path to whatever is in heavenly dimensions, absent the material body, this human flesh tabernacle or tent, is not going to be human. It can't be human. Now you can say, well, maybe we come back as other humans. I don't think so. Maybe we come back as animals. I don't think so. There's religions that are built upon that kind of idea or notion. But I don't think it has to be that way. Or I don't think there's anything in Scripture that intimates that it's going to be that way. I don't think, though, that God will stop using matter and putting life into it, the spirit of life into it, however he would choose to construct it. Humans are one of many on that sheet. Now, I'm not talking about cannibalism here. I'm not talking about then anything that would give us permission to disregard or not rever the material manifestation. It is expedient that we respect one another and not commit crimes, (laughs) harm, that whole predator, (laughs) victim sort of dynamic. But I don't want reincarnation or some kind of cockamamie. I bet you haven't heard that word in a while. Idea like that to justify anything along that line. I think that Peter was being told that, Peter, there's something more than just your rigidity, your just your personification, just your putting words or terms or labels on any of this stuff. It is useful stuff. Any of this stuff of material life. It is useful... It is purposeful. The Bible is a narrative that tells us what we should believe, think, know. It gives us a reference point. It defines for us in the best way possible. Still bound by our human comprehension, language, culture. But once you begin to get out in the big world, once you begin to commune with other people, other cultures, you begin to realize, though God said, oh, your children right now, you need to hang tight and not really intermingle with all these other people until you get this thing established. What's this thing? Your identity in Christ. You get the narrative. What's this thing? The narrative established. What's the narrative? But the word of God that tells you who you are, what you are, to give you the reference So that when you go out into the big world and you begin to encounter others and you begin to realize they too are just personifications. (laughs) Some of them more mature, even in human dimensions, developmental. Some of them more 
able to understand the spiritual operation of God and to leave behind those kind of childish notions and step into the realm of genuinely the spiritual operation to the extent degree that you would begin to discover, oh, God's Holy Spirit is not only in me, it's in other people. And does it take dreams like this? Does it take visions like this? I think probably all of us have to come to some conclusion from some sort of moment like that, draw our conclusion, or get to a place of conclusion of that kind of whatever is the run-up to that awareness, that I'm not the only one. (laughs) There's many, many others. And it's not defined by race, creed, color, skin, anything else that a material dimension may define you. It's the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit isn't an it. It's a he. And the Holy Spirit isn't only he as separate. It is, he is, the Spirit of God, but one with God. And one in God with us in Christ. Only because of Jesus, the way, truth, and life, to life, in life, of life, for life, accessing life. But Peter, if he was really going to evangelize the world, if he was going to share this great message, now that his identity had been fully manifest in human terms, personified, And it was at Antioch they first called them Christians, the Bible says. At that point, or close to this point, that identification is now all being established in Jesus as the Christ Christian. The identity is not Jesus the man. The identity is Jesus who was, is the Christ. But it's not just in his flesh. He has now a resurrected body. And it's all moving toward, once again, leaving behind those material definitions because they won't endure. (laughs) And there's nothing endearing about them if what that means is you hold on to them to the point that you miss out on not only heaven... It comes time to really shed, again, this flesh tabernacle and be fully with God when your body, (laughs) mortality, occurs. And yes, it is a curse, but yes, it is a blessing. You do not have to live with this flesh and the limits of this flesh forever. Isn't that good news? It's only for a season because it is so limiting rather than bringing harmony and unity to the body. It's more about divisive because we are so inclined to need to define and then give up those rigid definitions that unless we understand that is exactly Jesus who gave himself for godly purpose. He was God, but he gave his body himself in human identity. We're called to the same thing. 
Now, are we to kill one another? I tried to get to that earlier. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. No. Jesus was not telling Peter to go conquer the world through murder. Thou shalt not kill. It's one of those laws more important than even the food laws. But all law is the same, as the Bible would say, and we're all going to be guilty of not being able to fulfill and complete and hold true to all the laws because it's just the human nature. But the human nature can be one of adaptability. The human nature can be one of flexibility. The human nature is that we're incredibly adaptive creatures. Do we just go out on a whim and change our gender? No. Do we just go out on a whim and say, oh, well, I'm going to eat monkey brains today. No. Oh, on a whim, we're going to go out and say, oh, alcohol is good. No. We're going to go out and say, oh, no, we had all that wrong. Tobacco is good. No. Am I going to tell you to do something that's going to harm you? Shouldn't. No. But what I can tell you is, That part of creativity is you have to give up something to be something else. You have to give up your body (laughs) so you can have a resurrected body. You have to give up your identity, though it was hard fought (laughs) to claim it in the name of Jesus, to be Jesus the Christ, not just Jesus the man, though we want to emulate Christ even in human attribution. But what we want is to understand all of that was for that moment of awakening in the right sort of way. The moment of Peter's dream, apparition, vision, that it's not the flesh, Peter. If anything's going to be killed, it's all of us. Not because we should then, of our own, I guess, considerations, decisions, Decide who's going to live and who's going to die. Pass those kind of judgments. Thou shalt not kill. But it's going to be always God's way. But I'm going to die to my identity in flesh. (laughs) I read a really good, which doesn't happen often, news feed. I don't know where it was from. I read so many of them that I lose sight or lose track of So I can't quote it. I can't give you reference for it. So you can look it up. I apologize. I could just say it was on MSN. I had a lot of time between a no-show and my next appointment. And I was bored. And I had to get something going. And so I clicked on that button icon on my Microsoft Windows and it brought me all these newsfeed articles. It was talking though about relationships. And when you're married, it's not the beginning of all that you've ever hoped and aspired in some sort of grandiose way your life to be with this additional add-on enhancement of your mate, your spouse. No, it's the beginning of your death. You have to die to yourself, not entirely, a good measure of yourself, but really in the end, two come together as one, two individuals merge as one, you're no longer individual, you are now a new, 
in that case, I guess there is a new resurrected body, a new creature in Christ that is more than just simply spirit. Although I am going to stick with that once we give up this mortality, our human body expires, not just in this way of coming together in marriage or even joining in friendship or even evangelizing or bringing different denominations, different cultures together. That type of homogenization is not evil. As long as it's in the Holy Spirit, it leads us to Christ. The same thing in marriage. But if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to bring you together as one properly, laying aside the weights that so easily beset us, pressing onward to the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. If you don't, you will... Maybe you can cohabitate, but you will never, ever consummate the marriage in spiritual regard. The highest order of choosing to lay down your life for another. Peter, Jesus told Peter, it is going to happen. He told Peter in the last chapter of John, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Oh, yes, I feed, yes, Lord, yes. Until Peter began to realize, oh, there's a message in this. But he didn't even, at that point, I think, fully realize it. He's beginning to now, at this point in the book of Acts, Jesus comes to him. (laughs) That's what that was about. And John, there was a day you girded yourself. There'll come a time when you have to stretch forth your hands and another or others will. That's what this is all about. Jesus is, and it got Peter out of a lot of jams, right? He got Peter out of prison, the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, the apparition of Christ leading Jesus, leading Peter out of those circumstances so that he could then lead Peter, Jesus leading Peter to this end. Tablecloths, sheets, Peter, don't kill them in you. Kill them in me. Not that Jesus is about murder, but help them understand. That's how we all become one. That's how you have to help them understand. In love, they lay down their life. You don't take it, but this is the way that it happens. (laughs) There's an old phraseology certain denominations, slayed in the spirit. It kind of sounds awful, right? Where's the sword? Where's the knife? Who's doing the slaying? Well, it is really murderous, but it is sacrificial. You have to lay down your life. Peter, if you lay down your life for them, then they will lay down their life for you because that's the way of love. Last podcast, we talked about Simon the Sorcerer. And I, (laughs) in some review or listening to that again to make sure I didn't say anything foolish that I would not have to disclaim in today's podcast, I like to correct those. I'm not going to have to correct, but I'm going to add to it. I should have just punctuated it with the obviousness of of this kind of a statement. Simon was learning about loving. And in loving, you cannot be embittered because embitterment, Simon the sorcerer, 
is gall, the gall of embitterment, which is Peter and John that told him that. But Simon was still thinking the sorcerer. This is all transactional. You can buy this stuff and in a transactional way, somebody is going to be lording over somebody else. It's just the way it works. It's the way it works for me. And again, I paid Simon the Sorcerer a great compliment. I think in a more natural humanistic sense, maybe even in an Old Testament sense, he was probably about as accomplished as, as Saul was. But he was just as atheistic. <laughs> he didn't start with God, uh, but he didn't have God in the fullness thereof because he was still looking for that personification. And rather than seeing that in Christ, Simon the Sorcerer, and even the Apostle Paul, he was seeing it in himself. Paul wanted to make himself the best. But to be the best, you have to compare yourself to other people. And then come to the conclusion that if you're the best, then they can't be. And if they're the best, then you have to somehow work to be the best. Otherwise, you lose your position in more material context. Marriage is the same thing with marriage. and It's an equal partnership. I know we say that. I believe everybody believes that. But I don't think it operates that way. Churches need to be that way. I know we say that. But there's always a hierarchy. I think Jesus, as he told Peter, when you're going to feed my sheep, Peter, this is what you've got to do. You're going to die to yourself That's going to be an act of love. You're not going to be taking anything from them. That's going to be an act of love. You're not even going to do it as a martyr. You're not going to do it in some self-gratuitous fashion. Oh, look at me. I am Peter. You're not going to hold yourself out as the chosen people. It's okay. Old Testament's okay. It's the way logistically that God grew us all up culturally. And then generation after generation, I am now grafted into that vine. It's okay. But there was a time I had to put away childish things. There is a time the Hebrew people had to discard that notion that they were the only apple of God's eye. Or if they're an apple of God's eye, it would only be so that God then could show them that there's plenty of other apples. Because if they're alive and breathing and have the Holy Spirit in them, and if they're enough looking like you, acting like you, if they're eating Indiana Jones, you do not, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you do not have to thumb your nose. You might still have preferences, but in the end, monkey brains are a delicacy in the Middle East or wherever that was. Maybe it was Africa. I don't know. They're not a delicacy at my house. It's okay. But I'm not going to curse them. I'm not going to curse them if they choose to eat the food that was otherwise sacrificed on the altar. It's them. It's their conviction. And where did the conviction come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit in them. But that's the point. The Holy Spirit is in them. It's not my job to judge. It's not my job to say what's right, what's wrong. It's not my job because if I'm making my job, I'm making myself righteous. It's self-righteousness. It won't win souls. (laughs) You may be paid homage 
and had we time on the podcast today, we get into a lot more of that. We don't. I might in another podcast because as the book of Acts continues to unfold and we're kind of going sequentially here we've gotten into that sort of a pattern I don't feel compelled to move off of it right now the Holy Spirit is leading us I'm enjoying it hopefully you're enjoying it but they really did think they were gods they tried to treat them like they would be within the Hebrew culture a Pharisee teacher rabbi master And Jesus would say, there is none good but God. Because even though we would esteem Christ, and I said that last time, that Dick and Nicodemus revered the body of Christ. I rever the body of Christ. But that was only so that I could understand the real true nature of Christ, which is the divine nature. Jesus, the person, caught my eye. In material regards. But it is the Holy Spirit that was manifest in the person of Jesus that would lay down, bring him, to lay down his life for another. Was he killed? Yes. Was he killed out of good motive? Not because the Hebrew people or the Romans or even any others that might have had at that moment privy to, witness of, would not have agreed, give us Barabbas. Even if you were not of the Hebrew people, you still might have said, oh, this guy is a loser. This is not the way you win. Talking now about Jesus. No, that wasn't killing. He was the sacrificial lamb. But so are you. And so is Peter. And so am I. But I am seeing that as my offering unto God. And I give my life to Jesus knowing full well. But I, that this is what it's going to come to. Whether I give my life to Jesus, I know full well. But I know only in Christ will I find resurrection. Because I am not flesh alone. Actually, I'm nothing but dirt that would not be living and breathing were it not for God and the breath of life, the Holy Spirit. And would it not be that I would not understand that? It didn't require a sheet and a vision like that for me. But I came to that awareness. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then it's the same thing. It's the same thing. If you're not willing to enter into his suffering, (laughs) don't take communion with him. It's the same thing. You have to be willing to allow Christ to help you, assist you, while you're loving people, other people, even those that are strangers to you, of different culture, even those that you might really and legitimately so, they may not understand, may not be as awakened as you, may not have that aura of righteousness. Stephen. Stephen was stoned. Was he killed? Yes. Was he slain in the spirit? Yes. But he was willing and wanton in Jesus 
because he could see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. He understood, even if it was still in human terms, this was his purpose in life. Feeding sheep. It's not just for Peter, it's for us. But Peter needed the sheet and Peter needed the more tangible hungry metaphor or concrete and with that it was all part of fulfilling what Peter gave Jesus permission not only permission to do he said he wanted to feed his sheep this is what it looks like to feed sheep You lay down your life. And in that way, they're not killed. But in that way, they too lay down their life. Nothing is expendable. The soul is not expendable. God does not see anything as simply expendable. Otherwise, he'd just be a narcissist. He'd just exploit the resource. That's the devil. What God asks us to do, though, is realize material life is not eternal. Love is. And really, all that we can do to comfort one another in the Holy Spirit, Simon, the sorcerer, get this, Simon, is to love one another. Now, if you take it, you're going to be embittered. But if you take from other people, you're going to be embittered. If you resort to devilish motives, (laughs) if you resort to these type of spirits, that evil that is within, is why God had to tell us, even before we understood all of this, that God is not only a spirit, God is love. Samaritan woman at the well. God is love. But you have to be able to love even those that kill you. And you have to be willing to lay down your life in that way for Christ. And it will come somewhere along the way. It's like marriage. That was going back to the news feed in the article. I never thought of it that way. You get married and you lose something. And then you go through all that grief and struggle. No, you have to change. No, you have to change. Then we do the marital counseling, right? Relationship counseling. No, the Holy Spirit's going to pass between the two parts, just like, again, the Abrahamic covenant with God. He cut the cow in half. (laughs) Maybe that's part of what's on the sheet. The censer passed between the two parts, piercing, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joy and tomorrow. The Holy Spirit passes between the parts, whatever the parts are of that relationship in the context of marriage. But you're going to grieve the loss of you, and it's going to be a bumpy road. But somewhere toward the end of your life, if the marriage survives, and you don't divorce, and you don't kill each other, and you don't kill your marriage, you accept one another. Why is that sanctified? Because it's not martyrdom, again. It's not just nobility for the sake of nobility, or virtue for the sake of virtue. Or it's not virtue as we call it nowadays. Virtue signaling. It's legitimately 
if you love this person and you don't kill them and you're not going to be embittered and you don't kill yourself or you don't let the devil to get into all of that with defense, hardened heart, you don't grieve the Holy Spirit, you don't dry up, your love doesn't dry up. Simon's love had dried up. He had become mechanistic, a machine. Oh, this is the formula. This is how it works. They don't care about people because when you start caring about people, you get hurt. And what's the hurt signify? That you're dying. (laughs) Are you going to kill them? No. Are you going to be killed? Maybe. Again, (laughs) Romans and Hebrew and give us Barabbas. But at the same time, though, you can lay down your life in Christ Jesus, the personification in Christ, and experience the same thing that Jesus experienced, that Stephen experienced, that Paul saw on the road to Damascus experienced, the Holy Spirit. He begins to pour forth. That's how you convert people. You can't beat it into people and you can't beat people down and you can't throw a bunch of rules and laws at people. You have to love people and you have to turn the other cheek. You have to. You have to give them the extra. You have to go the extra mile with them. You have to. Or they don't get it because you're still holding out something. And Ananias and Sapphira, you can't hold out something. It'll kill you. You've got to be sold out completely. Or implicitly, though they may not kill you, that turned as with ashes from within, that'll kill you. It'll harden your heart. You will grieve the Holy Spirit. You will deny the very thing that brings life to your inanimate material composition that we call your human body. But if you take the spirit of life out of it, you just go to the mortuary or the crime lab. And we've all seen that show, right? Where they're on the slab. And, you know, it's eerie, right? You look at them. I went to a funeral service last week and... I don't know that I ever can get fully over seeing the body in the casket. But they're dead. It looks like the person. But you know they're not alive. Why? Because the Spirit has gone on to be with the Lord. They're not there. The tomb is empty. (laughs) The grave cloths. Eventually, if you exhume a body, the body disappears. I suspect, if it is (laughs) the grave cloths, all of that is going to endure longer than the body. It's just the way it works. You may find some teeth there. You might find some bones there. But you're not going to find the flesh there. The grave cloths are going to be folded over. You've already gone to hell. Stuff like marriage, that news feed article. You've already gone through that. Oh no, you gotta be like me. Oh no, you gotta be like me. Oh no, I'm having to give up myself. Oh no, it hurts so bad. I'm having to give up myself. Oh no, do it in the name of Jesus. Do it with righteousness in mind. Do it with that Holy Spirit unction and leading. And there's no reason God can't win. He's going to win anyhow. But win in your life. You want to have a good marriage? Do it. 
Die. Don't be killed. Die. Offer yourself up as a sacrifice. Die. If they're going to kill you, they're going to kill you. I don't think Peter, I think Peter, because he did get the interpretation in Acts 11. I'm not going to get to it today. Maybe next podcast. He got that interpretation. But he also understood he wasn't better than them, actually, in humbleness. Philip, and, and uh, with that, I think it was the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, Jesus demonstrated the humility that we need to have, the suffering servant, to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah, that God gave Isaiah, of what the Christ would be. You have to do that. But the good news is, if that other person is doing that, then you get the same thing. You just change the motive. Rather than out of taking, now it's all out of giving. Rather than out of killing, stealing, and destroying, it's out of laying down your life for another. But if we all do that, and we all rightly rever the body of Christ, Jesus, as embodiment of the physical human manifestation of the Christ, then what is it to lay down your life for another? It's Jesus. And what's wrong with that? Nothing. Because it is all part of the total release of the Holy Spirit. Do you have to go to hell? I think you do. Jesus went to hell with the keys to the kingdom to set the captives free. But that was just for the folks of the Old Testament. that were still without the Christ manifest. (laughs) This is it, folks. They did not get to see the full picture, and God and his benevolence gave them the opportunity in Jesus to be saved, redeemed. We have that same opportunity in Jesus now, but you're not going to get it (laughs) again once you give up this body, because it won't be useful anymore to sanctify your soul in human, mortal soul, in human terms. Because at that point, God will reclaim the Holy Spirit. And I think that's probably what we should talk about next podcast. Is what it is to have the Holy Spirit. Because that was really, then if it is love, there is a bit more that was in material testimony that Peter discovers when he actually does follow through with this Cornelius of the Italian band, uh, this journey he's about to take, uh, what this apparition or this vision will lead him to do. But we'll talk about that on the next podcast. Should you come to see any of us at what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care or Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry, You're going to get that same message. If you want resolution, you have to lay down your life. Not necessarily to one another initially, but to the Holy Spirit. And then let the Holy Spirit rightly join you together with one another. But in that moment of submitting, when you change the motive and it moves from a selfish one, self-preservation... What's in it for me? Transactional. I'm only going to give as much as I get. And then I want more than what I give. Otherwise, it's a bad business proposition. You you don't get to be a billionaire. What you want to do, though, is, is you want to, in that moment, you'll begin to 
realize what you want to is realize, oh, there's another way. That's what Peter experienced on the rooftop. There's another way. It's the Christ way. And though Peter in his head, and certainly the day of Pentecost, he was given that gifting, he still needed to be sanctified and realize, oh, well, you just thought it was for you, but really, you are for the world. And it's that motive that you need to distribute this message of life to the world. Or all you're going to get is wars and rumors of wars, and eventually there'll be the Antichrist. But if you come to Covenants, Specialized Pastor Carl Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, we're going to do that quickly and efficiently, and then we'll be able to see all the things that you couldn't see before. The scales will be removed from your eyes, and you will begin to understand you're not loving enough. (laughs) Not out of yourself, but out of Christ in you. Hopefully that's what the podcast is all about, encouraging you in that same manner and way. And with that, should you want to reach out to us, you can. Covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com, covenantsonline.com, at Facebook and on YouTube at Covenants, on Facebook and YouTube at Covenants. Or you can phone 304-528-9220 and should none of that really be something you're ready to do or need to do, you can catch us on our next podcast. And if you're beyond the next podcast, then that's okay too. (laughs) I know that you're sharing yourself with the world and with that you are allowing others to share themselves with you. Until we get a chance, however, to meet again on our next edition of What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. I want to wish you the best, that you're richly blessed in not only material ways, but even more so spiritual ways. And once again, until we get that chance to meet, God bless.